The Race to Ricky Sanchez is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download DraftKings Sportsbook and use promo code RTRS and is brought to you by all of our sponsors. No commercials in this uh, pod, so I'll just mention all of our sponsors. L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, Big Barker Dog Bed, Stateside Urban Crab Vodka, Kinetic Skateboarding, Body Bio, by nature, pet food, uh, Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of the process. Who am I forgetting? I said by nature, Big Barker. I said Big Barker. I said everybody, right? Stateside, Kinetic, Kasabi, all that. Anyway, uh, Daryl Morey and his friend Hugh Howie joined us on Twitter Spaces to talk about the NBA's uh, three-point problem, or if it's a problem at all, defensive metrics, how to know whether to try to go for a championship that year or not with your team and why Mike isn't verified on Twitter. Enjoy it. steals from everyone it feels like yeah it's who whoever gets bigger faster you know yeah i guess this is just stealing from clubhouse i guess but i found right. clubhouse annoying so i didn't i didn't try it yeah yeah I'll, I'll give the origin of how we got here and you know annoyed you and michael to no end uh so i i enjoy it way more that i've annoyed both of you it, <laughs> I'm a little disappointed that Michael's not on to hear my enjoyment yet, but it's fine. Our, our bit is to act aggrandized. Did I use that word correctly? About everything. So no matter what you did, I would have imagined we would have acted annoyed by it. <laughs> it's sort of but our bit. I think it's an effective technique if you, yeah. if, you, if you just want one friend in the world. So. Yeah. <laughs> um. Sadly, there appears to be many people listening to our our yeah. nonsense. I think I so, need to say "Hello World" since it's my yeah. first time using Spaces. I did that on my first my first tweet and my first Instagram. So, this is my uh, first Spaces as well. Yeah. So I tried, yeah. I did a I did a, a test earlier. I can't believe well, this is this is what you're doing like on a non game night. No, I'll, I'll explain it. So when we okay. when when Hugh gets here, and I don't want to explain it twice though, but it'll right. it'll make it'll make some tiny amount of sense when I explain it. I think maybe, possibly. I don't know. I'll so, let you judge. I'll let you judge. Well, so I just yeah. got a text from Mike, and I can't check it without closing. Okay, this. okay right, I can. I think I can. I have this. I have. Two phones like the rap song. I'm gonna so, open my so. laptop. Hold on. I'm gonna open my laptop and give it okay. a try. Yeah. I can't say what my two phones are for because that would, 
<laughs> but but you, can listen to the, you can listen to the song if you, if you want so, to know. Well, if you're listening right now, we're waiting for Hugh and we're waiting for Mike. And Daryl's right. here. Mike's if up not, it'll Twitter. just be me and you. And then people will definitely start signing off. So it'll be yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm the one that prepares everything for me and Mike anyway. So, I mean, right. I, I, I can certainly carry it. I can tell know? by uh, – you're totally right, by the way. Mike always does sound high when he's yeah. on your <laughs> – and, and uh, I, something happened. Did someone join? I heard – that yeah, sounds like Mike. Mike. There he is. Mike. This is it. We're doing it. Epic. I'm so so excited to be here on fleets. (laughs) What a joy. (laughs) Spaces. Yeah. I was just telling Spike how I'm... This has become way more enjoyable for me by the fact that you are really annoyed that we're doing this. (laughs) So, So, Yeah. Well, for the same the same reason that most people vote for Trump is the same reason why I'm enjoying your <laughs> your pain. Fair. That's fair. I think other I, six former Sixers GMs have annoyed me for different reasons, and this is a fun <laughs> a fun new new tack. Well, <laughs> yes, Mike. Yes. Mike, you missed Dar- like you just came in as Daryl was saying that you actually do sound high on the podcast. You not okay. only sound high, you look high <laughs> on the Daryl. Please don't tell me you watch the YouTube. Well, I like doing the YouTube because I can put it in the background while I, you know, while I sort of half listen to it. So, yeah. And I don't listen to it, by the way, on 7X or whatever the hell Sam used to say he would do. <laughs> totally liar. ridiculous. He's, so yeah. he said that. Sam said that he listened to things, I think, on 3 or 4X. And whatever we did, whatever it was at the radio station, I tried it at, on Audible. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. No, no. I think Sam also said he listened to it backwards, you know, or, <laughs> you know, like. Well, he why, watches games backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, Normal why do, do we watch things forward? Why don't we watch them backwards? <laughs> I'm like, what I, are you, Half really of the time when Sam gives that. an interview, I'm like, what are you talking about, Sam? That makes no <laughs> I do appreciate a guy asking questions, but some questions. <laughs> Chipmunks hey, at 0.5x. <laughs> That's smart. So, yeah, All right, so I explain how we got here. I have to yes. explain how we got here. All right. Please. So Hugh and I are longtime friends. Hugh, Hugh Howie that some folks on here may know, uh, you know, best-selling author of Wool and like a thousand other novels because he, he's like Stephen King and he has like a new novel every three weeks or something. And uh, he and I are longtime friends, and we were just we just like doing fun stuff together. And so we had scheduled to do a thirty-minute, you know, let's just chat with interesting people because otherwise we wouldn't have an excuse to get together with them. Like for example, last week Hugh had on uh, Stuart Brand, who is reanimating Woolly Mammoths. Like I'm not even kidding. Like it was it was it was really interesting. So, and uh, and then we had, um, you know, we had uh, who, Kevin, who else? Did we yeah, have Kevin on? Kelly on, I think, the week before that. Kevin Kelly. We had Deepak, who's like wrote a book about aliens. So this is a huge step down this week. <laughs> it's, a week <laughs> it's, it's, it's a week off. It's a week off. Yeah, but that's a. And then we were doing it on Clubhouse, and then we were like annoyed that Clubhouse is only Apple, and I hate Apple. 
So I was like, oh, we'll try this spaces thing. And then I was like, let's kill two stones with one bird because you guys wanted to chat about three pointers. So like, here we are. And he was a big NBA fan. So he can, he can hang, he can hang on NBA as well. So that's what, that's how we got here. Hello. Everyone is tuned in. That's very Hugh, exciting. Hugh, I was looking at the Daryl's right. I, you, you've written so many books. It seems almost insane. I, I can't even imagine writing one whole book. I, I don't even, I can't even, I guess, comprehend how you would find the time to write like that. Does your brain just never stop producing no, to, stories? To be fair, I, I, I don't know how you write a book either. I'm especially, I'm writing a sequel to one of my books now. And every time I write a book, I'm like, how did I do the last one? It feels, uh, cause you only, you only remember the last process where you were kind of revising a book that was almost perfect and just looking for wayward commas. And then you start with a blank document and you're like, what, how did I get to that easy part? And uh, so it's a struggle for me every time. You would love Hugh. He used to drive yachts around like rich people on yachts. And, uh, and then he, he circ- like circumnavigated the globe basically by himself in a catamaran. Yeah. He's a, he he makes me feel boring. I feel boring when I'm around here. What so. you write? You do Broadway shows, man. Nothing's more exciting than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I annoy the the seventy sixers fan base with my musical enjoyment. So it's great. I think yeah. there's more crossover than from musicals to Sixers fandom than than you're giving it credit. I would say. I agree. I I, I hope that's true because yeah. musicals are awesome and yeah. Uh, yeah. So what, Before why don't we, we bang out? Let, look, let's just say this. I'm happy to talk three pointers. I'm also happy to talk anything Sixers and Hugh watches every Sixers game. In fact, he was at the game two nights ago. He, he was at the win, you know, when we beat um, the Knicks, right? Yeah. The Knicks. Um, and so he's, uh, yeah, we can talk Sixers all night. He's a, he like, he, he becomes a, he's from Charlotte. So he, he didn't have a team growing up. So, or Charlotte, am I right? North Carolina, yeah, I I, we had, your city here, but it's like around Charlotte. The right? first three years of the Hornets, we had season tickets. Felt like I no longer right, had a basketball right. team. So he doesn't the, really have a team. Really, he yeah. just work for Daryl. My favorite thing is he is my friend, and he he's the harshest on the Sixers of anyone. He'll just be like, "Well, these guys clearly just are horrible tonight, and you you made a horrible trade." So I just I love that about you. It's great for my friends. You need yeah. you need friends in your life who can tell you when you've <laughs> yeah. when you've done things horribly wrong. I, I thought that was your role, Spike. I thought you yeah. just, that was your job. <laughs> not yet, not yet. Just just beware. That's it's what coming. I'm, yeah, that's what I used. I used Everybody to gets a year grace period, I would say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah wow. I'm not surprised we get a year. No, I think it's a few more days, and then when, uh, when unfortunately no team wants to trade with a team that's trying to win the title, the entire city will, everything will get burned to the ground. It's, uh, um, don't make excuses, but don't don't do the the pre the pre excuse trade deadline. We can't have any of that. Let's that talk about works. three. Let's talk about three pointers. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's talk about three pointers real quick, because Mike, Mike, and I got it, we had never discussed it before. Though it seems like it is has has become a, a conversation topic in uh, among NBA circles. We got an email for somebody asking us what we thought the NBA would look like currently if the three point line was just erased. Now, obviously, there used to not be a three point line. But there's a lot more information now than there was, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. 40 years ago. So, what is your your best guess if it went away tomorrow? 
how how would teams play? Like how would teams adjust? To yeah, I, I I can guess this pretty well. I think um, it it would look a lot like. So it looked like the '90s, except teams would know teams would know they need to be out in transition, right? Half court defenses are too good. You wouldn't you wouldn't get the very slow it down like '90s basketball. You would you would get you'd basically get the '80s, but with very good half court defenses, uh, which would require teams to be out in transition at a very high rate to win. And but a lot of the half court offenses would look pretty similar to uh, to what you see now. I mean, like you know, double drags and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. One one thing we we mentioned is that the big difference between the '80s and now is that even though the three point line would go away, that there are players that are much more proficient from shooting out there than ever were before. So, like, what if any effect? Would that have on it? Would would the half court offenses just be a little less sludgy than they were in the '90s? Do you think, or uh, because well, they're able to shoot from out there? Shooting in general has improved. Like unguarded yeah. shooting has improved. You can look at free throw percentage trends. Um, you can look at everything. I, I would say, yeah, there'd be more of an acknowledgement. You know, people would protect the rim even with even more fervor. Because uh, people would know the you know the efficiency of those shots and getting fouled and and um, y- you know frankly the number of jump shots in the NBA hasn't has stayed pretty stable uh, throughout the years. What's happened is all the you know all the shots from five to to uh, you know twenty four feet have all gone past twenty four feet. I mean that's really. That's really all that's happened. But the number of jump shots has been pretty stable uh, over the years. So, do you think? Do you think that there would be as much scrambling to prevent, you know, elite shooters from getting off shots in that range if they know that it only counts for for two? Like, would you know, guys yeah. like you know Steph and Joe Harris and and JJ and those kinds of things? Do you think you would be f- like following them as much as like staying attached? No, there would be less. Them? There'd be less scrambling. Like, you know, I think last game, it was either the next game or last night, uh, Seth ran a pick and roll with um, Ben was the screener. It wasn't even a pick and roll. It was just like Ben screened for for Seth, and, and they both stayed on Seth, and Seth dumped it to Ben, who then got either a rim shot or a dunk. I can't remember. Um, yeah, you, you probably wouldn't see that. You wouldn't see that. I mean, yeah, the, the danger is much, much lower. Then it's, I mean, a three-pointer is such a devastating shot, especially if it's a high-percentage shooter that you, I mean, people used to be behind our star in Houston, like literally play behind them. I mean, it's, it's insane. So, so do you, why do you think, why, why do you think the conversation, is it just that people are bored now? Or why do you think the conversation, the conversation is basically that it has the, you know, the, that advantage, the, the, uh, the sort of, the, the fact that th- we all found out that three was too much more than two and the shot became too much of an advantage has made the game less aesthetically pleasing because too many teams hunt threes too much. So A, do you agree? And then B, why do you think that the conversation has happened now? I don't think it's less aesthetically pleasing, but I think as someone who's really into just games and winning in general, and Hugh, by the way, is 
huge into board games as well. You know, there you you could you can just tell a well a well structured game, and when you can tell an, a game that's not well structured, it's when there's only like one path to victory. Everyone right. knows it, and you know we're getting we're getting there in the NBA. Obviously, the Sixers because we have two of the elite, uh, you know, out of maybe like seven in the NBA people inside the three point arc. Um, you know, it, it for sure. If you have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and even Tobias, who's, who's an elite, you know, sort of the 15 foot and in player, you know, you can still win that way, but it's just so rare. There's so many more people who can shoot threes wide open than there are who can be efficient, you know, 15 feet and in. So it, it, it does like over time because it's just too big of a bonus, right? You wanted, you wanted the three-pointer so people would have to space the floor and you get more dynamic play, which has worked. But they, they just gave it too much. You know, it should be two and a half. I mean, Dude, that, that's really Darryl, what, out of mind. What if they cut off the three-pointer so you didn't have the, uh, the corner to three, so the three-point line naturally yeah. extended – to the baseline. I ex- I expect that to happen. I expect that really? to happen. Because it's too yeah. close. It's just yeah. like such that 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 shot seems to be like yeah. worth you've probably done the math, but it seems to be worth like ten percent more than a three anywhere else on the court. Yeah. yeah, it's like a corner three is basically the same as getting a, a, a rim shot, a, a medium guarded rim shot, which is sort of insane when you know when you factor in fouls and everything else. So um, yeah, it's just, it's too, too big of a positive. I mean, I would be fine if we could reconstruct arenas, having the court be wider, push the line back and keep the corner three. I love that. Idea. Um, well, you just, you'd have to re, you'd have to change out arenas and no one's going to, it would take that's like, a lot of like 25 years for the defense. Like, you know, being able to, to, yeah. to, to dive in and get out on, uh, on guys in the corner yeah. would be taxing. What? what, what well, I, I like I like that teams could have diff. They could choose the length of their line, and they could choose their court architecture. Oh, so it's like, like some sport. yeah, different. Yeah, different. and you could have behind. So if you wanted a lacrosse type structure, you could have that. You could have the line at eighteen feet if you wanted it. I mean, I, I just think it would make it in more interesting. Uh, that'd be very cool if you had that. That's yeah. interesting. I think then, if that's the case, you should be allowed to go into the crowd and shoot from like someone's seat, for sure. And, and then Why they not? should be allowed to defend. But it. You, well, man, Lillard would do that. You would also. I think that would be awesome. Actually, it'd be great for different personnel too, because if you had a team like the Sixers, where outside shooting wasn't your bag, you could structure your home court to a, to be an advantage for your personnel. You know. It's an 18 foot court. And it would hurt the guys who are visiting. Well, to, wait a minute. Court advantage as, as long as, as long as Danny green is a sixer, I want corner threes to exist. <laughs> Let me just get that out there as Danny's. And obviously this screws up every record in NBA history, but it's amazing though. Cause it just seems like it would fix the problem. If you made threes, four and twos, threes. Yeah, that works. That's that's pretty good. That's actually better than two and a half and two, I think, if you look at the math. Um, but it's it's just too. It's a little. Yeah, it just seems a little too radical to do that. Yeah, because it. 
would mess with the history. Yeah. Yeah. No, shooting from the stands, not theoretical, but four and three, too radical. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. One way to handle that is you score it like that to determine the winner of the game, but then you adjust the individual scoring of the game back to historical standards for stat keeping purposes. So you get I yeah, I, I I yeah, you could do that. I like things like half court shots, just chop the other lead in half. You know, like oh wow, well. like, you just want to get rocking. That's cool. That's definitely well, no, because that's like four pointers. But to me, like what you want, or you want close games at the end. So like a lot of NBA <laughs> games are, you know, and and then you definitely want the Elam end. or you could just adopt the Elam ending, which allows anyone to come back because there's no clock, uh, which I like. Uh, yeah, the only of, of all the crazy things I've said, the only one I probably wouldn't do is shooting from the stands because you got some practical stuff. Of all right, well that feels you know. targeted. Uh, <laughs> how do you feel about the like transition threes obviously in the flow of the game i think are good and and helpful mm-hmm. and statistically sound but the thing that frustrates me and and as i'm i guess getting into my old age are like three on one transition threes when a dunk is so easily accessible versus like you know a racing out to a three and taking maybe not even like a, uh, a feet set three from there. How do you feel about those? Yeah, you're definitely sounding old there. Mike D'Antoni was the first team to do those. And, uh, look, I mean, it's a trade off. Like if, if a team actually thinks that running for a three is better than running for a dunk, like why wouldn't we want them to do that? Like what? it's, it's more of a failure that it's worth to the three on one. I get that rebound anyway. Yeah, you have a you have an extra rebounder, but actually transition threes with no that, like that's there's a whole bunch of misnomers about threes among people who've watched basketball for a long time. One of them, there's a couple of them. One is there's longer rebounds. There aren't. I mean, you have rebounds that are longer, but they're on average they're about the same as like any 18 footer. Uh, the other the other misnomer is that yeah, you need a rebounder to make it an efficient shot. That's not true. I mean, there's just like oh, the, yeah, there's a whole set of like reasons why people hate threes that have just been narratives built up since coaches hate threes sure. from the 70s. Well, I definitely don't hate threes. I like them and, and think uh, the Philadelphia 76ers basketball team should should shoot more of them. <laughs> I just think that in the sense of three on one, you work hard to get a deflection or you're going the other way. And it's a there's a deflating feeling uh, right. when you have an open look and you decide I'm going to do a little sidestep three with, you know, people bearing down on me there. And it just, it just feels, feels yeah. like that's a, like a momentum swing. And I know that's kind of unquantifiable, but, but it's, it's in your control. So when you, when you guest coach the blue coats next year, you can Thank you. tell them not to do that. Yeah. That's we, fair. we did, we did bang the gong once at the blue coats. Oh, did the we drum. really? It's we not did a like, gong. Well, it was, a, was it a bell? The Liberty bell. It's a drum. It's a bell. Yeah, it's a bell. No, at the Blue Coats game, it's a drum. It's, oh, a, drum. it's a drum. It's a drum. Okay. That's what it was. I, yeah. I, I'm surprised you came. I would have assumed they were doing that to kidnap you, to like take you out <laughs> or something. No. Like we, I would have think it, I would have thought it was a trap. Yeah, you, we, and you guys fell for it, you know. I, we uh, there were there were like 2,500 people there. It was incredible. It was like a uh, it was a it was a momentous occasion in the blue coat. Just, just, just doubled the population of Delaware just by us yeah. showing up. <laughs> the championship I'm, runner up blue coats. Let's not that's forget. Right. So, we love our blue coats. Yeah. Oh. Um, I've I've two I have two stat questions for you. 
or okay. one one less stat, but one stat, one one numbers, but not stat. I I remember you saying I don't remember where it was that if your team has a five percent chance of winning the championship there that year, you have to go for it. Did you say something of those? I, I did. Yeah. That yeah. That was Do just you, like a, that's called a heuristic. Without there's not a lot of science behind that, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was my question. If you had a, a championship, because all I do is I look at Vegas odds, which aren't really a a um, you know Vegas a, odds. Vegas odds are pretty good if you adjust for the vig and and the fact that it's like one of the worst bets. You have to adjust for all that, but once you do, they're not they're not bad. They're they give you a good measure. We're so we're, we're we're a little above five right now. At yeah, most. you're about seven for Vegas. No, seven yeah. is pre-adjusted. If you adjust correctly, we're uh, five, unfortunately. Yeah, so I hate to say it. Gut. You don't have like a championship machine that tells you how likely it is no. for your team to win the championship. Well, he, he, yeah, I think about this a lot, as you might guess, since probably as much as you do about podcasting and how it sucks to be on Spaces yeah. right now. But uh, <laughs> Don't worry, I'm recording it. It'll be on a podcast at some perfect. point. <laughs> All right. yeah. As long as you can get the, the dog poop thing or whatever it is on there and the insurance place you know let's let's yeah. make sure to yeah. make let's make sure to drop in the plug uh right here we'll pause right here for okay. this right. terrible answer um uh yeah so look in theory like look if you're just saying look the goal is just to win the title that's literally the only goal it turns out to really mess up the math right like it you start to look at only championship teams, which have a big skew to them. Like you just, you can't just look at, you can't just look at championship teams. If you're trying to model how to be a championship team, there's just not enough data and whatever. So generally I try to model after conference final team. And then I do some adjustment for West and East. And if you, and if you look at that and you, and you, you have to set some sort of bar, which is like, we, we have enough of a chance to go for it. Cause you want to have a cycle where you're, if you just stay steady state all the time, you're not actually optimizing your title odds. You should push chips in as you're closer, and then you should do the, the you know, there's a team that was pretty famous that did this, you know, losing on purpose thing that then got a bunch of superstars at, in some city nearby. Mm-hmm. And you should do that at those other periods. So, you know, you have to set a, a heuristic on it, and five works pretty good. Usually there's about, Usually there's about five or somewhere between four and six teams a year that have a 5% chance to win it or not. Uh, and then it's a pretty steep drop off. Once you get past that, you know, after 5%, usually the next highest team is like at one ish percent. So it's just, it's a natural cutoff. If you look at the data, I don't know, that was too long of an answer. No, have no, there no, been times, have, have there been times when in your career, when you felt like you were lying to yourself that you are one of those a hundred percent, a thousand percent. Yeah, I, I could, I could convince like the, the Yao Ming McGrady years because we we were dealing with two guys who you know had uh, well Tracy was a little bit later in his career and Yao Ming was uh, pretty injury prone, and you know I feel like we told ourselves stories like we're close and we did get very close in '09. I think if we were healthy, we had above ten percent odds to win that year. And we took the Lakers to seven games without Yao and Tracy, um, but you know I do. Yeah, you you. If you don't look at outside objective things, your natural tendency is to tell yourself a story, which is like if this happens, if that's ha- if you have like more than three or four ifs that have to go right for you to win the title, you're probably just making shit up. 
for yourself. How many ifs are we at this season? <laughs> uh, if Joel is healthy is one of our ifs. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's, there's, I don't want to say there's, there's some other ifs. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, okay. Other, other stat question. Is there mm-hmm. any value? Do you find any value in any of the individual advanced defensive metrics that people currently have access to like defensive block box plus minus defensive RPM, like all of those numbers of, uh, defensive wind shares or do any of those mean anything to you? Those are pretty bad. Those are really bad. Okay. Um, I would say public public domain, all-in-one defensive measures are all really bad. I think internally several teams have some pretty okay ones, like not good. Like defense is hard to measure because, look, like you're on the floor, you're playing defense, right? And you, you like you're following the like a guy, like let's take the guy's out of position. It looks like, you know, the, his guy drives straight to the hoop. Well, he may have been told to hedge, right? <laughs> like right. It, it's so dependent on what the coach wants them to do. Um, bigs are a little bit easier to judge defensively than non bigs because bigs drive a lot of defensive value and in, in their ability to both, both make uh, paint shots harder uh, and discourage paint shots. And then, finish it off with the defensive rebound that turns about to be the most measurable part of defense. The, the rest of it is, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, extremely, extremely hard. Yeah. So I don't know hmm. if that helped at all. No, it does. It, because there's so many of them. And I like my, my rule, it's funny that we were such big Sam guys, right. And so mm-hmm. supportive. And I've come to a place where with basketball, where I've come almost, 180 where I just feel like I can watch and tell if the player is good enough. And, and all of these numbers that, um, that at least the public numbers that I, I felt like we were, we had all this access to now, honestly seem to, there's always so many people that rank high in those numbers that don't make any sense to me that I just stopped looking at them. Um, and I just sort of watch and, and I feel like I get a better sense that way. And I was just, a lot of people quote those stats, and I was curious if you ever if you ever found any value in them. The w- the wisdom of the crowd is pretty good. Like if we could take every person, and many of them are on this spaces. Thanks again for tuning in, um, and just have them rank the defenders from one to four hundred forty in the league, mm-hmm. and then you just average that. You'd come out pretty good. Like if you take. Like, because the errors cancel. It's the same as like you can, if you ask your entire classroom to judge how many jelly beans are in a jar, it turns out they get pretty good on average, but each person is terrible. So it turns out that wisdom of that crowd is actually pretty good. So um, I would encourage you though, Spike, if you want to be a GM, don't do what like a really famous person did at the uh, at the All Star like on an All Star panel once. They were asking. He wanted to be a GM, and he they said like, "What do you?" what do you think it'll take for you to be a GM? And he's like, it's not hard. I can tell if a player's good in like 10 seconds. <laughs> but I could just look at him and like, no, immediately. So, I mean, but well, you're saying something different. Like you watch a lot of basketball, you get a good sense of who's better and worse. Is it also, Maybe not. I'll start voting for the wisdom of the crowds. And it seems like they get it wrong a lot. Uh, I mean, well, the the starters are just like a pure popularity thing, so that I would agree with. 
Um, the coaches thing isn't horrible, but there's a lot of politics to the coaches' vote. Uh, they're all lobbying for each other and all that kind of stuff. So I would agree with you, Hugh, at a high level. Tobias Harris, could, as he would tell, uh, uh, as he told us uh, live, um, during the next game is definitely an all-star, in my opinion. Well, I mean, we were the best team in the East, and often that team gets three. So, you know, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, they should have more all-stars. Like, they cut it off way less than most other sports as well. So, so. My idea is we should have the, the number of all-stars should be fluid with the number of players that are deserving. So, I like, um, oh, like you know, the Oscars, like the Oscar. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. There should just be, there should be like a scoring system and we should decide what a, an all-star score is. And when those players are scored to an all-star score, they should be all. It's like the hall of fame. And that's it. And there should be a panel of a panel of one and yeah. you decide it. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it could be all the coaches, all the, co- the if we oh, could do okay. the same thing, except they're just not voting in or out. They're voting, they're giving them a score, like an all-star right. score. I just, there sense. are some years, you know, this year, it seemed like there weren't enough spaces, but I remember years ago when we had, you know, Drew, who's great now, but when Drew made the all-star team here or when Iguodala made the all-star team here, you could tell they were stretching a little bit. You or know? Jamal, and, I think Mr. Jamal McGlure made it once. That, that's that's how a yeah, baseball so. Hall of Fame voting works. You know, everyone votes to whether or not you deserve to be on a ballot. Then you get over a certain number and you make it. In some years, it's none. Agreed. Some years, it's five. That'd be that'd be amazing. There'd be there's so many people who deserve every year. There's a couple of guys who deserve to be on the on an All Star team that don't make it, and that would solve that problem. And then the veterans committee could put Vince Carter in, you know, when he's forty-two. You know, right. it'd be good. It'd be good. So I feel like there's a, a limit on the questions I'm allowed to ask Daryl on on this platform. You, so just, I'm just, gonna, ask, just ask. No, 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 no. The worst thing that happens is I don't. Is I don't I'm, answer. You know? I don't like the don't answer. I don't. I don't like that. I I want. I want hard hitting hard hitting questions on <laughs> on our own platform on our own home turf. So I will direct this question to Hugh, and ask him. <laughs> Ah, if, I like it. If this is Daryl's best team that he's ever had, or if Daryl is lying to himself, uh, I don't think this is the best team he's ever had. I think, um, I think, was, uh, a year going up against. Uh, I mean, getting the top seed West uh, with the Rockets, with the Warriors in the same conference, was impressive. And that year, barring injury, they they would have won it all. And and there was some dominant stretches there where they were winning every game by thirty points. Um, but I think if this team was healthy and with COVID has taken some guys out, like Seth just hasn't been the same since he set out and, uh, people have been missing a lot of games. I think if everyone was healthy and, and playing, uh, flat out, um, I mean, this Joel is the most dominant single force that I've seen outside of Harden that, um, that Daryl's ever had. So it's, it's kind of strange how many similarities there are to this situation, to what he had in, uh, in Houston, where you have to just figure out how to maximize uh, a truly dominant force that no one else can guard, and and those two players are completely different, but the situation personnel-wise seems to have some of the same challenges that he's had before. 
we can take questions on here. This is this would distinguish <laughs> it from a podcast if you want. Like, yeah, I think people can like raise their hand or something. Yeah, or is that, yeah so, is that so there are people who have requested, and I can make their voice live. But I, if you want me to do it, I'm happy to do it. Do it. I, this I is going to go yeah. great. I want I want uh, I okay. want Adam Malam. I see Adam Malam who did Game of Zones is on. We could have him. Uh, yeah, but he, didn't, he hasn't requested yet. I he has no question. Him. All right. Eight, okay. I have nine people who have requested. All right. Well, if, if you do, you know them such that you know they won't come on and say like Baba Booey or something like I, that. Well, or? that would be honestly, it's this. <laughs> We're hoping to the way the internet is compared to the way Howard Stern was. It could be a lot worse than just a Baba Booey. I see. <laughs> I see. Th- there's one that I recognize. I'll, I'll go. To okay. Why don't you go? Why don't you go with with he or she? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So hold on. She, she might be it. safer if we have a she. But... All right. Well, here we have a he. So Rick, okay. Rick is on. Rick, are you there, buddy? I guess not. <laughs> we well, love the platform. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> well, this it's re- Oh, now everybody's requesting. So let me. Okay. Hold All on. Right. Let me, I'm good. You, you, you have the awesome power. I'll stay. Right. We normally keep these at half hour, but we'll, we'll do another 10 minutes of questions. Questions. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm going to add Jason. I know Jason is safe. Jason, are you there? Jason. Hey, can you guys hear me? I think you have to yeah. press. We can on hear him. No, we can hear him. We can hear him. He's there. Oh, okay. What's up, guys? Hey, Jason. Uh, I do not have a basketball question. I have a music question. Oh, wow. All right. As is, uh, as is, as is, um, my, my nature. Um, Daryl, I wanted to see if you had any, uh, hot takes about the Grammys that just happened where it was kind of a showdown between Taylor Swift, Dua Lipa, Post Malone, Haim, and a few others. I know, uh, Spike has some, some very hot takes on, uh, on Taylor <laughs> Swift and some other, uh, major pop artists, but I wanted to get your take. So I, I'll, I'll, I think we could all answer this one. I would say... Taylor Swift's album came out when I was in the bubble, so that might have affected it. I don't necessarily like Taylor Swift, but I thought yes. the album was remarkable. I thought it was really good. And But I will say, since it sounds like Spike might hate Taylor Swift or something... No, that, I just think she's forgettable. That's all. Okay. All right. Yeah. I liked... I liked her song about the house in Rhode Island. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like some Budweiser magnate had this house in Rhode Island or something. And... Uh, and it is a catchy song, and then, and then my my friend uh, my friend ruined it, and he does this song reporting on this house in Rhode Island and its history. So, so that ruined that song. But yeah, I thought her album was remarkable. I don't usually like her stuff, but I thought that one was great. So, um, any other hot Hugh? Any hot Grammy takes? Just- Jason's going to get killed. Like, you know, people want to know, like, who we're trading for. And they're going to be like, you, you wait, you, you asked about Taylor Swift. <laughs> well, he's just trying to get, he's trying to get me going, I think, too. Um, <laughs> well, uh, Adam, you requested Adam uh, Malamut, so he's here at Game of Zones. Oh, nice. Adam, Adam what's up? Hey, Adam. everyone. What's up, great man? show. Great show. Really enjoying it as a listener. Uh, as a speaker, my question is this. And I know these things come up a lot at Sloan. You know, we talk about the rule changes you were talking about before. But my brother had this idea that what if it was five periods to 21? Like like the um, – what's the ending, the, mm-hmm. the all-star yep. ending that they do? Uh, but the, like, the Elam, Elam ending. Yeah, yep. yeah, the Elam ending. 
So yeah. if the game was five periods to 21 and you had to win three out of those five periods, how would that change strategy? And that's my question. How would it change strategy? I actually think it's a reasonable idea. In fact, the CBA, this, the, the old CBA, like the one where George Carl coached years ago, um, they had rules like these. So they had – you got one point for winning a quarter and you got, I think, three for – I forget how it worked, like – Three for winning game. So you, you had like different ways to win. Dunks were worth three, actually. That might be something that, that, that Michael would like potentially. They had all these really interesting rules. Um, how would it change strategy? I mean, it would be a little like tennis, right? In that, like, if you got down 18 to three in a, in a quarter, you'd probably, you'd probably just tank. You know, like you know that kind of. I don't know. Hugh, you're you're smarter than me. You, you, you guys take this one. So I'm not smarter than you. I I I do think that um that there should be more experimentation. I like that they've played around with stuff in in the G League where they played around with overtime and see what works. Yeah, one one free throw is like should happen tomorrow in the NBA. It's so much better. Everyone oh, really? will love that. Oh Just, my god, yeah, everyone. Yeah, for a foul. I hear that. We're, we're worth one point, worth two points. What about what about uh? This is what we talked about on the podcast, but uh, thinning down the lane, which is a relatively over the last couple decades new new addition to uh, allow more post touches. Yeah, I don't, I don't see what meaning like make offensive three seconds, you know, almost gone essentially. A little bit, yeah. The lane tiny. Um, mm-hmm. I've never totally understood the lane. Like, it just doesn't, like, it's just not, it doesn't really, maybe because like, once the three point, like, there's a lot of rules that, like, were really important before other rules. So the backcourt eight-second violation, well, that was important until you had a 24-second shot clock. Like, the eight-second rule in the backcourt is, like, one of the dumbest rules. Now, like, well, of course you're not going to stand in the backcourt. You have to shoot it in 20 seconds. Like, it's it's it, like it's an irrelevant rule, basically. It's like the appendix of rules. Um, now with a, with a spaced floor, like we have now, I mean, no one, like, I don't even think we need the paint necessarily. We need it for defensive three seconds more than offensive. So I don't know. I I haven't thought about that one much. The one three pointer thing we didn't talk about that we did talk about on the pod is the ridiculous flailing to draw a foul that is not a normal shooting motion that it seems like they could change tomorrow if they, if they wanted to. I can tell you it's really hard to change because I've been on those committees. Um, every Just like anything else, when you pass a rule, there's unintended consequences. And like if you say X is not a foul anymore, you can start to you can start to manipulate how you play defense pretty quickly. The real problem is like the three is worth too much. So it's just like, it's just like soccer. It's not a big deal to play a man down in soccer. So you should just fall every time. And the the reward for, for falling is like a free penalty shot. Um, You know, trying to get a foul at the three point line is massively impactfully important. So you should do it constantly. And the problem is the rules, not the players. So you don't think the refs could just make the choice to just say normal shooting motion and, and not, they do that. They do that sometimes, but, but what you don't want to have is a lot of judgment, like subjective judgment calls for the refs. Cause it, it brings in, it brings in the ability to, you know, not, you, you want the refs calling more bright line rules as, as many as possible. 
because otherwise you get it back into the 80s where the refs were trying to manage the game and make up calls and obviously there's there's still some aspects of those things but it's much it's much less than it used to be so there was a there was a, was there a play in last night's game that i think it was dwight that contested a shot and he went pretty much straight up and i think it might have been chris middleton that sort of foiled his body into him like that that's a that's a that's a play that could be removed from the game that Chris Middleton is not trying to shoot with his, you know, right shoulder dipping down into Dwight's crotch and think that that's good. That, that that's a real thing. Like it just feels like to me, refereeing is a very subjective thing because right. there's so much fluidity to the game. Right. It's an extremely hard sport to ref. Obviously For sure. I, I hate the block charge and the, the perimeter screening rules are basically different every night. And extremely hard to call, and uh, and and yeah, and the drive-in contact that happens. I mean, look, <laughs> it's like there's really. I, I promise you, every easy solution, and the NBA does work hard on this. There are very good reasons why they haven't done it because as soon as you pass some rule, like you know, people like me, idiots like me, are going to try to manipulate it the other way. You know, where, oh, like, like one, one defensive strategy we've come up with, given how they're calling it now, is just always have your head out and just try and get hit. Cause they can't, they'll call an offensive foul anytime your head gets hit. So you should just run sticking your head out everywhere. Cause mm-hmm. getting a turnover is massive. So, like, we've, we've, we've like literally, like, should we just tell our players to just stick their head out constantly so they can get hit and get an offensive foul? Um, yeah, you know, it's it's you have to really structure these rules carefully or people are going to immediately try and counter them. So, so you should be banned it. from the league. I should def- <laughs> I should uh, no, believe me, they believe me. This has been discussed. <laughs> this <laughs> has think, been discussed. Do you think we get rid of refs and have uh vision AI technology get so good in like uh, 30 years where it's just there's no more subjectivity like um an algorithm knows if you were charging or blocking or moving a, your screen or um, any 100% uh, reliability. What would that do to the game? It'd be like the, the, line, the, the, the league line is looking at that. In tennis, yeah. you know, the line uh, calls that were controversial at first, but then we got to where we trust the machine and not the people. Yeah, over time, that's the direction. Like goaltending could be called automated. We have a we, we're tracking the ball in three dimensions in real time, so that could be called automated. There's a lot of things that be called automated. Out of bounds calls are hilarious in the NBA. They've tracked the data very carefully, and any sort of contested out of bounds play, you know what percentage of the time the refs get it correct. Uh, I'll, I'll let you guys guess. Fifty percent. It's literally utterly random. Yeah. So. Yeah, my my solution on that is literally just have I would go to a college possession arrow and just every out of bounds it's a bang bang play where it's non obvious, they just possession arrow it. And that would that would force basically what used to happen, which is the refs would sort of try to even it out over the course of the game. Well, a, a lot um, of the times the refs like a foul that's occurring, but instead of calling a foul, you just give the ball back to the team that was fouled. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Yeah, and then they go to replay, and it, they're like, "Oh crap! Whoops!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's out of the wrong guy. We call it a possession instead of a foul. What do we do now? 
Right. The, right. the most confusing thing to me as far as yeah, the most confusing thing to me as far as refing goes is why and rules why jump balls have to actually be a jump ball. Like the idea that basketball is just like, well, who can jump highest? Here we go. It's like the most. It's dumb. It yeah. is the like most first thought 1904 way to determine who should get the ball. If like, you know, Shake and, you know, Rudy Gobert got a tie up, then it's like, well, I think who, we think we know who's going to get it. But that doesn't make a difference as far as like it, it just feels like it defaults to a why not have like a run fast competition? Well, yeah, we waste, a race to who can we waste get the eight ball hours on it. They like they like position around the thing. And, you know, Joey Crawford has to yell at the guy to keep his feet in a certain spot. And we like we waste like two minutes trying to throw the ball up. And then the ref, because it's a really hard thing to do, can't even throw it straight up anyway. Yeah. And is yeah. worried about getting killed. And so it should just be a possession error. Like college has that one right for sure. Or at least like a do or die, like three pointer. <laughs> a duel or a duel. A, do or, a duel is good too. I like that. Actually, let them keep fighting for the ball. Don't just like blow a whistle as soon as four hands are on a ball. Like give them, give them a good 10 to 15 seconds. <laughs> rugby or, style. or we could do what they actually do in college practices. I believe it's like in the NBA, no one would do this because it's insane. They have, they literally have people start at each baseline, put the ball in the middle of the floor, and then whoever emerges with the ball gets it. I want that. Yeah. Dodgeball Dodge rules. You literally, I think you get one injury every five minutes if you do that. So let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, certainly, look, if, if the NBA is trying to get more like the NFL, that would definitely help concussion wise. That, <laughs> that would improve in that, in that level. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Well, we should take one more question, uh, maybe from the, uh, the okay. peanut gallery. Let me see if I can find. <laughs> Are you on the board of Twitter, Daryl? Is this what's happening here? I w- yeah. I, I'm angry. I'm not on the board of Twitter. I wish I was. I, I know. Okay. I know people who invested in Twitter and Uber at Benchmark, and they pretend to be my friend, but I don't have any shares. It's really, it's really annoying okay. to me at this well, point. I yeah. know John. So I know John is safe. You, you so. just hate. You just hate Twitter because you know they're they're at this point they're trolling you obviously <laughs> like it's no. like part of like yeah, at this point you should just want to not be verified right Mike Mike it's, a, it's a healthy it's a healthy disdain uh, between uh, you know Twitter and myself we we spend a lot of time with each other <laughs> if that is actually you Mike if we can be sure yeah, we, can, we can't be sure, be sure. Yeah, we can't be sure uh, uh, John. What's your question? It, you're you're live. Sure. Yeah. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hi, Daryl. Thanks for doing What's this, up, John. Um, I, I'm curious, Daryl. You know, I haven't seen a lot of reporting on, um, you know, the impact of uh, revenues this past year impacting teams' decision makings. Either you know, non-contenders being a little more, uh, you know, willing or you know, acting more urgently to shed salary, or contenders being a little more hesitant to to load up and and, and pay pay more for you know, a team, you know, for a playoff run that might not bring the sort of, mm-hmm. you know, return that, that it would in other years. I'm curious, you know, if around the league, you have the sense that that's impacting, you know, what teams are doing both sort of around the deadline and sort of moving forward into the summer. I would say the reason you don't see articles is because it's been a non-issue. And the reason is really to, to give credit to the NBA players units and the commissioner, They've got this sort of nice system where everyone really does share 50-50 and everything is scaled down. So, like, yeah, 
behind the scenes, you know, there's less revenue and less money going to players, but but it doesn't change our decision making because everything's based on the margin, right? So it it really to the credit of the league, like it hasn't really shifted. We obviously know that business isn't as good and things like that, and it's affecting things in many ways, but it hasn't. I haven't talked to any of the GMs who, who say, like, our decision-making is different. We're still just all trying to win the title so or whatever, get a high draft pick, whatever phase you're in. So, Well, Hugh and Daryl, thanks. Um, yeah, that was fun. Know, you gave away – we did a whole podcast, and we just gave it to Twitter, but it was for you, and it was for Hugh, so, <laughs> so it's – well, this, yeah, say, this is sort of Hugh and my thing that you were trying to steal. So I thought about it. That's fair. Wait, wait a minute. It was your idea. You said it. You, you were well, that's what I think. Like, Hugh and I have been doing this every week. If you uh, if you were tuning into our Wooly Mammoth show last week, you would know this. Um, but because we only had three people interested in Wooly Mammoths, you know, you know, but no fault. But, um, but yeah. We, no, got, I, we mm-hmm. got tricked into doing a radio show with callers. <laughs> and then also, and also, we're hosting, which is a wild, a wild trickery to do. I think that's yeah. how you know, Daryl, you made a career out of you know fooling people into making bad trades, and and you and we are the recipient. We we just got fooled. Yeah. We, go. <laughs> we try to we try to do it, it differently. I did like your take though, Mike, where you were like, "Why do we need new ways to talk? Haven't we been doing this for a while?" Like, we don't, yeah. <laughs> but apparently, apparently still, yeah, still waiting on Sam Hankey to. Solve that email any day now. <laughs> He's solving you, it. You guys should join Sam, exactly. Sam is every week. This is so much. Sam is definitely. Go ahead, Peter, sorry. I was just saying they should do our show for us every week. This is so much less work for us. Okay. <laughs> we do enough we'll, shows. I'll tell you. We'll that. sponsor we uh, well, the the book, the new TV show coming out. Wool and Beacon Twenty Three will sponsor the uh, will sponsor the uh, the new Spike and Mike podcast sure. so the space space cast <laughs> space cast uh sam by the way is definitely solving everything like he's investing in so many things with his 80 87 capital i think so uh of which of which uh someday i hopefully will be a billionaire with my tiny investment in that so we shall see so thanks for having good us good luck guys. with your money with, with sam yeah thanks that was yeah. fun We'll have you back on, in, on our on our turf for a uh, for a real one, and then and then the hard questions will come. Yeah, yeah, we we <laughs> held off on the hard ones. Sounds uh, so. I've already been. I mean, I feel like I've already been on on your. Do, do people do it more than once? I thought it was just like a one time thing. Well, you came before in a different role. You came as sort of like a flirting sort of. I might we might be working together <laughs> yeah, you situation. Were, you were working for the Rockets. Do you know why? You know why I did it. Uh, I love Andrew Yang, and you had Andrew Yang, and I was like, "Oh, that was fun." So that oh. that was why that was why I did it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, Andrew Yang didn't become GM of the Sixers, so that's why yeah. we're not talking <laughs> about him again. Yeah. He, he he became mayor of New York, apparently. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. So yeah. You guys, right. you guys are kingmakers. That's what it is. You know? If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me. Then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then won't, I won't fuck, fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Thanks for playing.